Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Right, I've just chucked a log on the fire, and hopefully that will warm my bones, because it's freezing. Hello everybody, welcome to Homo Sapiens, how are we all doing? This here is what we call a bonus episode. We just throw it in there, because that's the good citizens we are. We are talking in said bonus episode, we're talking about coming out in the workplace. It's a very interesting one that lots of you got in touch with when we put things out on the socials. We're hearing from all of you and all of your thoughts, you know, how important is your gender identity or sexuality to you in the workplace should you have to disclose it where are people providing for us lgbtq plus people where are people not providing for us and then i'm going to be talking to micah eames they came out as transgender when they were working at ted as in ted speeches ted talks yes i've done a ted talk it's still available on the internet yes and i discovered micah as they had done a ted talk which is on youtube all about coming out at work advice for you and advice for your workplace as well which i think is really important you know like it's the workplaces need to be doing the research on this not just us delivering information that they should potentially know already let us know uh, all your opinions want to start a conversation hello at homo sapiens podcast.com or on instagram at homo sapiens i'm going to start with the results of our survey our survey says um about coming out in the workplace okay so the first question we asked is is your sexuality or gender identity the business of your workplace is it any of their business 18% of you said yes, 82% of you said no, which I think is really fascinating. I didn't think that's what would come out. And then Lottie got in touch. I'm an academic who works on queer histories and theory, and I think it's important to have representation. And though I don't directly declare myself or my personal experiences as a lesbian to students, I'd never talk about my personal life in a professional context. My orientation is important to my subject and research, and therefore my place of work. Mm very good point Lottie funny you know we talk about actors being out as well you know and all this thing about people queer baiting and tell us what you are and all that and you go well one thing to consider I have to say is these people are at work <laughs> you know this is their work I know it's not like most jobs but it is their work and should they have to say is another thing to be folded into the argument. Look at me covering all bases so no one shouts at me. Message from James. It isn't in a professional capacity. However, if your workplace has a social side, then it is relevant. And then we asked, are you in the closet at work? 21% of you said yes, you are in the closet at work. 79% of you said no. Um, Have I ever been in the closet at work? Yes, my first job as a runner, I was in the closet. So runner being you help out in a film company basically getting everyone's tea. But it was in Soho in London. You know, a lot of the gay scene revolves around Soho. So I was walking around all day 
just so excited being like oh my god i'm so close to it and there was this i remember this there was this hairdresser on the corner of brewer street and lexington street and there was a really handsome hairdresser who worked there and he used to give me the eye and i was so terrified by that concept but in but excited as well and enthralled how funny is that i never spoke to him but you see him out and about occasionally wonder where he is now could do with a haircut that's the only time i've been in the closet and how in the closet was i to be honest then the next question is should you have to disclose your gender and or sexuality at work 95 percent of you said no five percent of you said yes sibal said visibility is key i recently transitioned my email signature from he his to they there and it somehow was praised even in a big corporation Senior management has, I feel, the same responsibility to come out as one's true self, to be trusted and reliable for our teams. So you must be senior management then. It also helps to come out, I feel, with regards to the it gets better visibility for our youths. The message becomes, yes, you can get my job, be better and make this place better than I can. And I'm here to support you on that. Yeah, so there's a sort of corporate responsibility in that sense. You know, the the whole thing, you've got to see it to be it. And if these people, if you can't see people in these roles, maybe you think you yourself as a queer person might not be able to. You know, but that all comes with safety, doesn't it, as well? You've got to feel safe to do that. And then we got a message from Chris. Not me. I don't think so. I'll read on. Might be me. Did I write a message? I can't remember. I do a lot of work around LGBTQ plus visibility. Ooh, could be me. In NHS leadership, not me. Not me. And I think it's super important to be out if you're in a position of power. Interesting, Chris, echoing what Sibal said there. Chris, please may you write to us and tell us what you do in NHS leadership. I'd love to know more. And Sibal, can you write to us and tell us what you do in these in these amazing big jobs? You're all such high flyers, listeners. Um, message from Chris. Read that. Coming out at work. Also read that. Something's the matter with me today. And I had a very strong coffee earlier. So it can't be that. Coffee's just getting stronger and stronger, and I'm not sure that's good. Um, has anyone ever given up coffee for a reasonable amount of time? I shudder to think what would happen to me. I think I might collapse. Next question. Has coming out at work been a positive experience for you? 81% said yes. Thrilled to hear that. I am. 19% of you said no. Now, before I continue, I'm just going to give this fire a stoke because I'm about to catch pneumonia. Let's try that. Watch me burn the place down. Um, Pete got in touch about their experiences of coming out at work. Mostly positive, but one manager kept pointing out hot women, asking why I don't find them attractive. Oh, my God. In my current job, our general manager and I have clashed many times. Gender identity and homophobic hate speech, to name a few. Ooh, Pete, I'm sorry to hear this. I feel like this is just a reality for many in the queer community. I'm happy to stand up and speak, but sometimes it's draining. Well, that's the thing, is that idea that Micah says this in the upcoming interview about, you know, constantly educating institutions, not actually your job. We don't mind educating as long as we feel like it's being understood rather than... And helping people, people running with that baton as well, I think is kind of part of it. Anthony said yes and no to this one. It has allowed me to forge some great relationships with other LGBTQIA people. This is coming out of work. I'm, I, this is me adding that in. But it also means others have treated me differently, i.e. assume what I am am not into based on my sexuality. 
How interesting, Anthony. Yeah, and I totally get that. You do get sort of allocated a club when you come out at work, don't you? And they're like, well, obviously you'll now go drink wine with the girls, which, by the way, I'm fine with. Um, Annika says, I guess I've been very lucky. In the three offices I've worked in, I just dropped that my girlfriend is doing XYZ or likes XYZ too, casually. Read, obviously not casually at all. <laughs> Love it. Quaking in your boots, as you said it, I bet, Annika, if you're anything like me. In conversation, and my co-workers have always taken it in their stride, with one exception. I currently work for a very multicultural office in China, and one of my co-workers took me aside and said, I thought you should know that another co-worker told me she was having difficulty accepting that you were bi. I'm sorry to hear this, Annika. Which obviously hurt, so I spent a few weeks awkwardly avoiding this person and then just decided to treat her as normal as possible. And we ended up talking not necessarily about gay stuff, but just about relationships and pet peeves we have with our partners and stuff. And then some time later, Christmas rolls around and we're all giving out gifts and she turns to me with these two little ornaments from her hometown that bring good luck, one for me and one for my girlfriend. And I was over the moon and so close to tears, you have no idea. So, yeah, I'm definitely thankful that I've been in a workplace where even people who don't really understand or accept me at first have been supportive and willing to try to get over their prejudices. Good on you, Annika. I mean, one, amazing that happened. Two, amazing that you sort of went with love and then it was met with love and what a heartwarming story now uh, then we've got a voice note from dean let's have a listen being open at work has been positive i think the biggest and most important thing that i've told people and relayed to people through the diversity and inclusion movement is the ability of being your genuine and authentic self at your workplace and the bottom line is you spend as much time in work as you do anywhere else especially whether that's in person in an office or at home these days but being able to be your authentic self and I can be a bit flamboyant and a little camp I have no cares the work shouldn't care and in most cases they don't and it's a positive outcome really yeah I mean it's so funny isn't it Dean you make the point there that we spend most of our time <laughs> at work like you know, you spend more time with your colleagues than members of your family. And I think it's really lovely to hear if somebody feels that they can come out. I think this, this is now a good time to go and listen to Micah, actually, because Micah's sort of blueprint for how to come out of work and some of the very interesting stories around that um, is very relevant here. So let's go and have a listen to Micah. Thank you so much for everyone who wrote in shared your thoughts it's a discussion let's keep going so write to us hello at homo sapiens podcast.com and uh, have a listen to micah here you go you mentioned sort of three things on how to talk about things which are hard in the workplace i suppose uh, the first tip was to know what you want and don't want out of the conversation so when mm. i was coming out as trans i knew i wanted people to call me by my new name and pronouns very simple, very much a necessity. I was also having some trouble. Just it was very exhausting for me in the beginning of my transition. So I didn't want people to come to me and say, "Oh, you're trans, congratulations!" You know, if you if you just kind of say something and don't give people a follow up on what to say next, like they'll default to a very positive. And I didn't want to be like very much the center of attention myself in it. So I knew that I wanted the conversation to go somewhere else and not necessarily focus on me after the fact. And so those were two of the big ones for me. 
And I wanted it to feel like any other ordinary fact about who I am to that effect. Mm-hmm. So that was my, my first tip is know what you want and don't want out of the conversation. Um, mm. My second tip was on setting the tone. I think you first have to un- have a strong understanding of your own relationship with this aspect of your identity and who you are. Uh, I do want to clarify that the moment you realize you are trans or maybe you get some medical information that's going, you might need to bring over to your place of work, be it mental or physical. You don't have to get that information and then run to the door and say, okay, I got to tell you right now, like you really need to do the work to accept that yourself and establish your own relationship with it. And then you can decide how you want to talk about it. Mm. So for me, I knew that I wanted people to respond in a way that was, again, very matter of fact, like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm trans. Can you pass me the ketchup? Like, it's just that <laughs> simple. But for other people, it might be, you know, balloons and streamers and like, yes, this is who I am. And and then people will understand to give you that energy back. And mm. people, people aren't always going to respond the exact way that you want them to. No. And that's why I think establishing your own relationship with this part of your identity is really important going into it. Yeah. And it's not always going to be totally great. And that's mm-hmm. what therapy is for. That's what talking to close friends about it first is for because they can kind of nurture you and get you there. My third tip is to give an action item. So mm-hmm. in my case, to my first point, I knew that I wanted people to know this was like any other ordinary fact about who I am. And so I sent an email. Please read it. It's so funny. (laughs) So I sent sent the following email. Hello, all. I need your help. I am in the market for a moisturizer to help with my dry skin. I'm also in the process of coming out as trans. I'm changing my name to Micah and my pronouns are he, him, his. If you have any questions about my change in pronouns or my skincare needs... Feel free to send me an email at my updated (laughs) contact information. And I'd also like to note that while my skin is dry, it is not too sensitive. We're all going to mess up my name and my pronouns, myself included. So when this happens, don't panic or cringe. Please be kind to yourself as we stumble through these growing pains together. I'm fortunate and grateful to work in a place where I feel embraced in any form, be it as a transgender man or a person with dry skin, or in this case, both. It's such a lovely email. It makes everybody reading it feel safe, I think. That's what I like about it. That you're like, I don't feel like I'm going to get something wrong if I talk to Micah. You know what I mean? Was that the intention, do you think? Yes. I Two things that I don't talk about in this talk uh, that really shaped this email too is that I am extra extroverted. And I love right. talking to people and I super value my relationships with people. I didn't want people to be afraid of me. I didn't want them to avoid me. I just didn't want them to feel like our relationship had changed because of this thing that had always been true about me. It's just a uh, change of name. Specifically for changing someone's name, the way I'm thinking about it is that if you always reach to open a door with your right hand and then someone came up to you mm-hmm. one day and is like, okay, now you can only use your left hand. It's muscle mm-hmm. memory. Of course you're going to mess up yeah. and use your right hand to open the door. You've been doing it your entire life. And so if you keep doing the left hand, you'll get used to it. If you keep seeing other people do it, you'll pick up on it. Um, but it yeah. takes time to get comfortable with it. And what do you remember about the moment of sending that email? <laughs> 
fear. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what happened. I gave a presentation about this um, at our media all hands meeting, but we have 65 people on our media team. And I got up at the very end. I gave basically this spiel on a PowerPoint Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. (laughs) everyone was really nice. And I got lots of hugs afterwards. And then I got out of the building, had off work the next day. And I was on the train going to Boston to visit friends with three of my close friends who were coworkers, um, who basically mm. worked as my security to get me out of the building. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. To, to prevent me from being bombarded with too much love. And yes. so I'm on the train and that's when I hit send. And then I closed my laptop and I didn't look at it for several hours. But then, um, you know, we get to the end of the train ride and I look at my phone and it's just boom, 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 like email after email, after Slack, after text from people being like, Nothing but love, like all the support, you know. I use CeraVe. <laughs> That's lovely. I got way more responses than I even had people I sent this to. It just was uh, very much an outpouring of love and support. Well, that's wonderful because, you know, I want people listening to understand that it can go that way. And then there's the person who's being told. Tell me a bit more about how how we can guide those listening. By listening. Um, I think uh-huh. if you're on the listening side, the first step is to listen. Uh, listen for the specific language a person is using to identify themselves. So for instance, um, I say, I am a trans man. Use their vocabulary for how they refer to themselves and not some you pick up on the internet or in a movie so that so yeah just listen to them listen to what they need listen to if they give you tell you anything specific uh, in my case it was use my new name use my new pronouns use my new updated contact information but there are so many other identities and different minorities or medical statuses that we should be empathetic towards and conscious of in the workplace Mm. and in our personal lives. So Mm. definitely listen. And then after that, you'll probably have questions come to mind before Mm. you ask the person who's coming out, ask yourself, can I find the answer to this in a search engine? Chances are Mm. the answer is yes. We've had Google for over 21 years now. Actually don't quote that, (laughs) but it's a very powerful (laughs) search engine. And uh, chances are, if you have a question, someone's answered it before. (laughs) And there are collections of resources. And that was something we talked about in my email. When I was talking to my manager, I said, should I direct them to PFLAG or should I like human resources campaign? And what my manager said was you don't need to write an informational pamphlet. We're adults here you're introducing yourself to these people. You're not introducing an identity altogether to them. Uh, so my manager was, my manager, my management was great throughout the process of this. Wow. But if you're on the receiving end and you have some questions, consult with Google first. And if you mm. think it's a question that you wouldn't feel comfortable being asked that, definitely don't ask them that. I received some uncomfortable questions. And I think that if they had taken the moment to reflect it on themselves, like, okay, what if what if I had a coworker ask me about my sex drive, or how I felt about women, Mm. in a derogatory sense, then they wouldn't have asked me those questions. Yes. And Instagrammer Pink Manta Ray uh, oh yeah, says mm-hmm. lots of great things about things not to ask and why not to ask them, and elaborating about, you know, asking 
questions. I think it's specifically about trans people, the slides I'm thinking about, but I think they can apply across anything, you know, anyone on the spectrum, their personal questions. And also, in some respects, they're not for the workplace. Mm-hmm. Well, the third point is uh, a tip on just to be a more active ally for your colleague. You know, you can ask them, is there anything I can do for you? But after that, ask yourself, Mm. is there anything I can do for this person? And it is really hard for marginalized identities to individually advocate for their cause in a place of work. And that's because it can seem like they're asking more for themselves than they are asking for this entire community. Like, how can we be more inclusive for all of these people? Uh, and it puts you more on the spot. And it also, at certain workplaces, it, it can be counted against you uh, in the future. There mm. are studies on that. There is an episode of Work Life with Adam Grant where they talk about um, that as far as it goes to diversity and equity inclusion at work. Really? Yeah, I can send you a link to that. We'll put it in the show notes. Yes, please. Hey. <laughs> so so uh, the point of this, though, is if you are in a position of privilege, use it. Uh so I, I always use the case of trans healthcare, but I guess for LGBT in general, like this could apply to everybody. Um, if you are a cis straight person, then talking to your company about, okay, can we have parental leave policies that are inclusive of those who are looking to adopt or who are doing yeah. IVF, like going through non-traditional um, means of uh, having children. And that, again, that that's not even just the queer community. Any and all kinds of relationships and families can go through the adoption process. Uh, another thing is talking to your HR about trans-inclusive health care. You can work at a very liberal place of work, I know I have, where the assumption is kind of, it's throughout the place of like, oh yeah, we're inclusive, we all left-leaning, these kinds of things, but then there are still no physical markers that this is an inclusive place beyond just the general perception. So uh, things I mm. noticed was people weren't using pronouns and email signatures. When I looked at the onboarding book, there was no specification about trans-inclusive health care. There were no gender-neutral restrooms at this place of work. Uh, so mm. there's a big difference between a vibe and mm-hmm. physical and digital markers. On the job application, it only asked for sex. They didn't ask for gender. They didn't ask for preferred pronouns. And so I came into this company, and I did have a general like a little underlying fear of, oh no, am I going to have to be the one to start this conversation? And so that's Mm -hmm. why even if you're at a place of work right now and you don't know anyone who's trans there, there's a chance that you do and they haven't been able to say anything. Or there is a chance that somebody else could walk in the door the next day and and be that first trans person and be afraid to start that conversation. Or you're losing applicants because they are seeing uh, things like this. And this can be about anywhere in diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, mm. where if, if it's not on the website or if it's not in the application, they're going to be like, you know what, this just might not be the place for me. So you could be losing good talent. Um, and I'm uh, kind of along that, that line of work of, you know, one tipping off the rest. I was the first person in my company to come out as trans. That was in February of 2019. And within a year and a half, three or four other people had come out as trans. And some of them had been working at the company as long as since it started. And others had started just before the pandemic started. And and some of them had said they they used my framework to help them figure out exactly how to say it. None of them had gone exactly my route. 
but they, mm-hmm. some of them did it in much smaller and more subtle ways. So it was really cool. Yeah, it's really cool that you did that and opened the gateway for people. And I just wanted to take you through the things we spoke to our listeners about, because one of the things that I was really wondering about is that, you know, how do you and did you define what level of your own gender sexual identity should be included at work because it is in some respects nobody's business but obviously it's you as well so it's hard i've got a lot of comments on because this talk was published to youtube and facebook and there were a lot of people asking why is this anyone's business why do you have to tell them and I had to mm. tell them because it was my name. <laughs> I had to tell them because it was, I, it's exactly how you address me. There's no way, there was no way around that. And it was hurting me every day that I felt mm. like I was really compartmentalizing this major part of who I am. I couldn't go to work 40 plus hours a week and then go home and be someone else for me. podcast listeners can't hear, but I have a beard now. Eyebrows would have started to raise if I was um, still being addressed as a woman. So there was both a part of like, I will have to do this eventually, but I also really want to do it for myself because I want to move on to this next part of my life. And have you had people, you know, one of the questions we asked is, are you in the closet at work? And actually 21% of people said yes, 79% of people said no. Were you then a conduit, you know, for people saying I am dot 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 you know LGBTQ plus or beyond but I'm not going to say anything you know did you become a sort of local go-to person yes and I did have a, a colleague who I've gotten closer with since this happened but they did come to me it was after work we were two of the only people in the office and they alluded to the fact that they were also trans and we had a lot of conversations about it going into it I was like oh this was great everyone was so nice I had such a good experience and they had to say like unfortunately they had to say okay i am i'm black and this has been my experience mm-hmm. at this company we have not had the same experience here and this is how it's going to be different for me and so eventually mm. they did get there and i believe they they used my framework with how to disseminate the information but to your point about people being in the closet there are i'm come from like the utmost peak privilege in that i was at a liberal company i am white I'm coming out as a man, so I'm literally walking into privilege. <laughs> um, and I'd been there for a year. Yeah. I didn't come in to, I had just the right amount of connections. Um, so it's going to be harder for some people and it's, it's going to mm. be, we're not going to be in the exact same shoes, but I think that's where at least my framework is helpful and that they were still able to use it to figure out exactly what they needed um, in terms of just building that framework of, okay, here's what I need. Here's how I'm going to say it. Here's what I want people to say. So tell me a bit more about your story and uh, and your journey, as it were. Love the word journey. <laughs> a little saga. <laughs> um, I realized I was trans in summer of 2014. It took about a year for me to be like, okay, is this really what's happening here? You know, a, a year into it, realizing, like, yep, I'm trans. I can't get around this. My initial reaction was, oh my God, this is great. I found a solution for like all of these parts of my body that I have just felt like, ugh, and, and parts of who I am and how I like interact in relationships with people. So I was really excited for a while. But then the scary part became when I was thinking about sharing my new name with my teachers and my classmates, it became, oh no, I don't know how they're going to take this. I don't know how, mm. I don't know about coaching people emotionally through this and having to explain all of these things. So I kind of sit on it for a year 
and then I was working at a Catholic university in Southwest Ohio. And so I, because of previous experiences I had had both in this place in Ohio and in my place of work, I was like, I cannot come out here. This is not a safe place for me to be out. So I, again, I had to sit on that for a while until I could find work at a place that was more explicitly inclusive and that aligned more with my values. And then once I got to my new place of work, which again was at a fairly liberal company, it was at TED Talks, I kind of made a rule for myself like, okay, I'm going to wait a year and make sure I'm still in New York and I'm still at Mm -hmm. this company and I still have their healthcare because specific Mm -hmm. to being trans healthcare is very important. Yes. And specific to the US, you know, you, there is no national health service like we have here. So you huge part of having a job is that then they pay your health care. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 I guess it's not a universal issue, but it is true. Yes. And I think the other thing that springs to mind about what you're saying is that it's important to say to anyone listening, who is wondering, is that if you don't feel safe doing it, you don't have to. You know, and I think it's interesting that you waited till you felt safe. And that's really important because safety is of paramount is, you know, the, the most important thing, I suppose. Yeah, thank you for reiterating that. That's I did not explicitly say that, but that's exactly a point in there. You don't have to rush into anything. You're not doing this on anyone's timeline, but your own and your own safety and comfort is paramount. What are the three things that you we want the workplace to be doing more of for our LGBTQ plus family and beyond in the workplace? Raises, free cold brew on tap, and um, <laughs> dogs in the office, maybe. Okay. Maybe a dog at home stipend. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. <laughs> um, yeah. Some serious pointers, though, aside from the very serious pointer of cold brew, (laughs) I would say be open to listening, but also don't come to the queer people at your place of work and say, okay, what do you want? Like, if there are issues, they might not feel comfortable talking about them with you. Like, even when it's like, oh, we have a blind Google, like, suggestion form, I've talked to people and they don't trust them. Um, And so do the research on your own and see what are other companies doing, what is necessary in this space, what what are they saying on the Human Resources Campaign website. They often update, uh, they have an updated, like, being trans in the workplace document that they keep. It's like a living document they do every year. And then listen when people do tell you things. You know, I, I did go to my place of work and I kind of handed over a document and said, here's... X things that we could be doing to be more trans inclusive. And we split up uh, between myself and our HR director to do work on them. And not everything was Mm. done, but she did follow up on me with every point and say, okay, this is, this is where we are at with this conversation. Um, This is who I'm talking to. And uh, so I, I both felt listened to and valued in the conversation. That's amazing. It is. Yeah. It's really great. And then my third point might be, Oh, document everything have it documented like that this is a proactively inclusive place so it is those notes about having it on the job application form just that note about what are your pronouns you know what is your Mm. uh gender identity if in the event that you have to include the box that's a sex assigned at birth transgender is not a gender (laughs) (laughs) i I, my um my neighbor is actually a trans man who is 
much further along in his transition than I am, which is impressive. And we mm-hmm. will send each other screenshots of um, <laughs> of, of uh, gender forms on websites, which is really funny. Uh, we right. just have a running collection of them. So, like, what is your gender, transgender? Or what is your sex at birth, transgender? Like, it's just all these things where it's like, they're trying. They really are. <laughs> Wise words indeed from Micah. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us, Micah. Get in touch, everybody. Stay connected at Homo Sapiens on Instagram, at Homo Sapiens Podcast on Facebook. Uh, write a review on Apple Podcasts and you could win a t-shirt a new brand new homo sapiens t-shirt email your comments your questions and your agony uncles that will be read out anonymously to hello at homo sapiens podcast.com tell us your stories are coming out in the workplace thank you so much for listening have i warmed up at all no but the fire is roaring so now i've finished recording of course it'll get toasty loads of love to your listeners bye now 